0: It was a mysterious box that showed up on our doorstep a while back. It was addressed to me, but it had no return address. So on the positive side, I got kind of excited. Might be a mysterious gift of some sorts that I didn't anticipate. On the negative side, I thought, hmm, could this be a dangerous thing? A bomb or anthrax, perhaps. Courageously, I brought it in the house And I opened the box, only to reveal yet another box. It was a plain box, simple, no words on it. I opened that box, and then inside the content was surprising. I didn't recognize what was going on yet. There was just colorful streamers some graffiti that I started to take out of the box and make a big mess around me. And then came some colorful cards. And those cards had pictures of people on it in a particular city in the Midwest. And they were enjoying this city. And the cards were saying how neat of a place this city was to live in. Then there were some more cards with more people, and this was about a particular church in this particular city, and it was talking about all the wonderful ministries that this church was providing to the community. And then finally, within this mysterious box came the invitation. It was an invitation, if I would consider entering a process of discernment to become their next lead pastor. I started thinking, boy, what fun would a grand new adventure be for my family, for my ministry life? I thought, how nice would it be to have a fresh start away from you all? I'm just kidding. But you know, the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Now, I am not announcing my departure from SCC on this third week of our seven-year vision. Some of you would kill me, actually. But every once in a while, Kendra and I receive these invitations, not quite so colorful or creative as this one was, but from big churches and small churches and medium churches. And I try and always be faithful to pray Uh, regarding these invitations. But I do pray knowing really two things. When God brought me here to Springs Community Church, I had this profound sense that it was going to be a long-term call, that it wasn't just a stepping stone. It was the place that he wanted me to be for a long time. And my second sense was this, That he was calling me to do a profound kingdom work. That I didn't understand exactly what that kingdom work looked like what that would, all the, the contours and the details. And in fact, the book, Jesus' Big Idea, was only about three quarters written. I had a three ring binder in my hand. I didn't exactly know and how, of how I understood the kingdom of God at that point. But I had this sense that God was calling me to do this kingdom work and that he would provide the details. He would show me what he wanted me to do. And I'm happy to say that this message, this group of three messages, really represents that sense of I've got this clearer picture. He's filled my heart with these desires and these longings to live into this profound kingdom work we've talked about that first circle if you look up at the screens that first circle of kingdom life that he is calling us to live a different kind of life not simply a christian pagan life not a good pagan life but a, a categorically different life that involves intimacy with him purpose and meaning from him that we're called to know, be, do, know the kingdom, be the kingdom, and do the works of the kingdom. Secondly, in that second circle, you'll see, he's calling us to community. First, the life we live. Second, the community in which we live life in. It's meant to be a community of the Spirit that is filled not just with his presence, A community with the the presence of the living God at the center, but also with the power of the living God at the very center of all that we do. And this third piece, this third piece is about ministry. The ministry that we serve. You have the kingdom of the Father that we're called to live in. The community of the Spirit that we're called to share life in. And then the ministry, and I would call this the ministry of the Son. The ministry, uh, an uncommon ministry, which I'd have to say that in all the churches that I've served in the last 20 years, I've longed to see this, what I would call, the ministry of the Son, this this fullness of this ministry that is unfolded, that we get to engage in. Again, you can say, not just an uncommon life and an uncommon community, but an uncommon ministry that flows from the throne room of God. And what this seven-year vision is about is sharing a lot of all that is in my heart and pursuing this for the next seven years. We're doing this, I'm doing this, and I wanna invite you as you get a picture in your mind of what our ministry from Springs Community Church could be, I wanna invite you to join me, and we'll talk about in different ways, join me in pursuing this vision. We're gonna get a picture of this vision, from the book of Ephesians. Would you turn with me there to Ephesians chapter 4, one of the epistles? And as you turn... Be mindful that Ephesians is a unique book in that Paul is writing a letter and he's not addressing particular issues in a particular community of faith. In fact, he is writing to the church in Ephesus, but also this would become a circular letter. And really, if someone would have said to Paul, what are, what's some of your best thinking on the church? the bride of Christ, what the church is called to be, what the church is meant to be, that there's much in terms of not only the the grace of God and all the dimensions of the grace of God, but also in the church of God, his community that he's calling us into. Ephesians represents Paul's best thinking of the church. And in fact, chapter four is a climactic moment as we think about the ministry of the church. So let's read together chapter four in the book of Ephesians. He says this, As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. I love that phrase. That means that we can live lives that are not worthy of the calling we've received. We have a calling on our lives. All of us individually and corporately, we have this calling and Paul is saying, you've got this calling. Now live a life that matches that calling. That's worthy that you've received. And then he gets into this idea of how we live into it. And he talks about some character issues. He says, verse two, be completely humble and gentle, be patient, bearing with one another in love, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Paul is saying part of living into this, cor- this calling, especially the corporate call, is that we press in to unity, that we're unified. And now pay attention to the words that he repeats because he's going to really lay into this idea of unity. He's saying, verse 4, therefore uh, there is one body and one spirit just as you were called for one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. What's the first word that he's repeating? He's repeating the simple word of one, that we are called to fight for unity in the spirit, that there's all this. You could say this is the orthodoxy of the faith. This is what we are called to live into together. There's one Lord, one baptism, all of that. He's saying what this is what unites us, Fight for that unity. Press into that unity. And then the second word that he repeats, did you notice it? The little word, all. Saying God is not over just a few things in the universe. He is over all things. So he's talking about all that unites us, this orthodoxy. And then in verse seven, he's gonna make a little bit of a shift. And he's gonna go from unity to diversity. You see, unity is not predicated on uniformity. He's going to talk about unity really in the midst of diversity. Verse 7, he says, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. This grace here is not the saving grace that we often talk about and sing about, but this grace here, some have called it, is the serving grace. Just as the Son, as Christ, has apportioned it, he's chosen, he's given each of us in the midst of this calling that he's placed on us, he's given us this grace, these gifts to serve. Verse nine, uh, verse eight. This is why it says, he quotes Psalm 68, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to the people. What does he ascended mean except that he also descended to the lower Earthly regions. He who descended is the very one, Jesus, who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. Somewhat of a confusing quote of the Old Testament, but essentially what he's talking about is Jesus descending and ascending. Descending, some have debated, either he's talking or using this scripture just as a reference to the incarnation. Jesus came from heaven to the earth many think and I tend to agree that they're talking about like in the Apostles Creed when it talks about Jesus going to the Hades or hell the lower regions And when he died on the cross, he went and conquered the evil spiritual powers in our midst. If you notice, there's really two key words that helps us understand this passage from Psalm 68 and that are captives and gifts. Jesus descended to the lower earthly regions and he conquered our enemies He conquered his enemies and he's taken them captive. And now as he ascends to the right hand of the father, that is where he is now in heaven. He's ascended there and he's giving gifts to the church. Perhaps a helpful analogy is in the ancient world when a general or a Caesar would conquer a people and they would go back to Rome, when Caesar would go back to Rome, and they would bring many of those that they conquered, their captives, back behind the parade of soldiers. And as they entered Rome, the Romans were gathered all around, they were cheering and celebrating for the, uh, the greatness of Rome, and the peace of Rome extended, and also the general, or, or the Caesar, would give out gifts to the people that had gathered around. They They would give out bread and food. They would throw out coins and rewards. Those were the gifts. And Paul is saying, this is the reality of what Jesus did. He has conquered the evil spiritual powers in our midst. He descended to those lower regions. And we see those captives there in the train behind Jesus. But also, as Jesus ascended to the throne room of God, he gave gifts to his people. Gifts to his children. What are those gifts? Those gifts are the ministry that we get to join him into. Those gifts we can read further in verse 11. So Christ, the Son, gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets and evangelists, pastors and teachers. Now, Note the point here, to equip his people. These leaders in these respective ministries, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, they're not to do all the work and have the rest of the people cheer. No, they're, they're gifted in this way that they might equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we reach unity. You see, he's back to unity, started with unity and orthodoxy, moves towards diversity of these gifts and callings, and yet they all work together back into unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ, love that phrase. The purpose of the church is about the maturity, the growth, the service that we might somehow obtain the fullness of Christ to honor him with our gifts. Now, would you get in your mind how we might live this out as a community of faith? Not just part of the gifts, not some of the gifts, but all five. In fact, I'd like to suggest to you that many of the churches, especially in the West, are not unwrapping each of the five gifts. I'd like to suggest that really we're, we've only been living in maybe two and a half of the five gifts or these streams of ministry. And I wanna share with you that God has placed a passion in my heart for each of these five streams. And I want to paint a picture. It's going to seem a little bit overwhelming. I'm going to kind of take the wrench to the fire hydrant and open it up and let it spray. And I just want to give you that sense of the seven-year calling. And friends, this some of these pictures might not be from the Lord, and I'm okay with that. But they are in my heart. And we want to look to see if this is a picture of the preferred future that God is calling us to. We want to ask the question, what is that stream? Would you get in your mind, this, our church is on a hill here in Colorado Springs. And would you imagine in your mind, streams of water, in fact, five streams of water. Some would say flowing from Grace River, These five streams around all of this church flowing into the city of Colorado Springs, into our immediate neighborhoods, touching our neighbors, going on to the greater city, to the United States, and to around the world. What are those five streams? How do we understand? What is God calling us to? Let's handle them stream by stream. First is this gift, this grace of teaching ministry. What would it look like to have a flow of this kingdom life teaching, the work of the Holy Spirit, the teaching on the Holy Spirit from SCC? To a certain degree, we have that. And I believe actually the teaching is rooted in the first two circles. This no be do of the kingdom I get very concerned when I hear the teaching from churches and the gospel is a watered-down gospel. It's talking about either afterlife, fire insurance or it's talking about some prosperity that emphasizes the physical world and it's missing the heart of the gospel, which is the reality of heaven can be entered in now, the kingdom of heaven. He's inviting us to live right now in this moment. What would it look like to have this stream of teaching of the kingdom of heaven, the reality of heaven flowing from us? and also including a a profound aspect of his divine spirit, not just the presence of his spirit filling and overflowing our lives, but the power of the spirit that we might live the life he've called us to live. Now, we did task forces based on all of these streams of ministry. And I asked each task force to evaluate SEC, where are we strong in, What are we weakest in? And every task force said that we we felt like the teaching stream was our strength. Until one of the members of my task force in teaching stream, he said this, you know, I'm not so sure. Because really, if you look at Ephesians 4, it's talking about equipping the saints It's not just talking about the quality or the depth of teaching that's coming from the pulpit or in our small groups, but it's really saying, are we equipping the saints in this teaching ministry? I was struck and I was taken aback. And I began to say, I need to start discipling in this teaching ministry One of the pictures I want you to think about is this idea of a discipleship handbook, a handbook that would be rooted in the kingdom theology and the five streams of ministry, that we would actually start discipling one another in a way that Jesus discipled others. In fact, the Great Commission says this, therefore go and make churches of all nations. No, it does not say that. It says go and make what? Disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Friends, we've been convicted as a leadership here at the church that if we make churches, then sometimes we might get disciples. But if we make disciples, then we will always get the church. I think many of the churches around us, they're building churches and they're not making disciples. In this teaching stream, we're locating discipleship and leadership development. Do you know there was a survey a number of years ago done on our denomination And it was asking the question of how many churches had formalized and structured leadership development processes and discipleship making processes. Do you know what percentage of our churches? Three percent. Three percent. That has to change. That must change. Could you imagine If there were small groups, three, four, five people gathered together in what we're calling apprentice huddles and we were discipling like Jesus did, not in classrooms. Now we would say, take these 27 classes, and get these good enough passing grades, now you're a leader in the church of Jesus Christ. No, Jesus entered into the lives and he shared kingdom theology, connected it to ministry, and then released them, modeled in this ministry, and then released them into ministry. Can you imagine these huddles taking place, these apprentice huddles in living rooms? in Starbucks and Panera Bread, in the little rooms in our church, on the couches where these five people are gathered together and they're praying, they're asking questions, they're wrestling with the word of God. Could you imagine how powerful it would be if our leadership, the engine of our leadership were these apprentice huddles driven by the kingdom theology and theology of the spirit. Some of my uh, moments that I've delighted most in ministry has been discipling some of the staff here in what it means to read and meditate and teach the scripture. Josh and Julie and David the honor of going to All Nations Church, one of our church plans, and working with that team. How do you study the scripture? How do you teach the scripture in an in a effective, powerful way, joining with the work of the Spirit? Can you imagine if we were discipling people at that deep level? One stream, teaching stream. Another stream, the grace the gift of shepherding ministry. When I graduated from seminary, my sense of pastoral care or understanding of pastoral care was weddings, funerals, and hospital visits. And friends, though that is an important ministry, I do believe the shepherding ministry, the stream of shepherding is so much more. The apostle Peter inspired said this about the ministry of Jesus Christ. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. The more I study Jesus, the more I realize how focused he was on the interior world our souls, our heart, our wills, our minds, our spirit, the interior kingdom, and the interaction with our little spirits, with the Holy Spirit. I locate the contemplative practices in the shepherding ministry. Now, some of you are going to accuse me of being too Catholic, but would you hear my heart? You see, there was ancient fathers and mothers. Some would call them desert fathers and mothers, and they had discovered That beyond this physical world is this beautiful and incredible interior world that the Father is after, this life of the soul that He wants to share. That as we begin to taste the depth of this interior life, the depths of of his spirit communing with our spirit, our hearts and our minds, that this physical world around us pales in comparison. That's why they left all their wealth and their families and entered in those places of the desert that they could focus in on this beautiful interior world with the voice of the living God, teaching and training, communing with them. Friends, that's what many of the contemplative practices grow out of is this sense of this interior world. Can you imagine Lexio Divina, the daily examine, listening prayer, that we would be a community that was focused on the interior life? A few pictures of this stream, and a friend in one of my previous churches she was went to fuller seminary was trained as a spiritual director and had an idea of doing a meditation on scripture on sunday morning in many bible studies and different groups that met on sunday morning and she wanted to teach whoever was interested how to meditate, not just study, not just read, not just memorize, but, but actually meditate and invite the voice of the spirit into the word of God and into our souls. And she started Alexio Divina Group. They had to keep switching the rooms that she met in. Do you know why? Because it kept growing and growing, and growing. And pretty soon, her group became the largest. Over 50 people were wanting to learn how to meditate on scripture. Can you imagine, together, we're pressing into this interior life? Many of you know that we have a contemplation point right out there, This section, if you look through the window, you can go and there's a cross and there's a bench. It's this beautiful place that John Hagman has created that you can go there and pray and listen and you look over the entire city of Colorado Springs and you've got um, the mountains in the view. It's gorgeous there. Do you know that there's some land in that hill just before it? I've had a dream in my heart that we would be able to create stations of the cross. We don't actually own that land, just so you know. Again, seven year. But could you imagine where people, that the contemplation point was just the beginning, that we could pray there, but also then we could meet the Lord in the deep spaces of our soul as we walk through the stations of the cross. One final picture in this dream, in the the shepherding stream of ministry. I believe God has called us to sacred friendships. We're inviting you to join our life groups, our kingdom life groups. Can you imagine if our life groups weren't simply Bible study, weren't simply learning and understanding, but really our life groups we're rooted in this idea of sacred friendships that we were actually entering in with one another. We were joining Jesus, the great shepherd of our soul, and learning to shepherd and be keepers of other soul, joining the Lord in the keeping of one another's soul. Friends, I long for that kind of community. And those kind of depth of relationships. Stream three the gift, the grace of evangelism. Most of us here this morning realize that the Father, we've heard it preached, we've read it in Scripture, we know that the Father is on this massive search for lost souls. This is His agenda, this is His purpose. We live in this age, this day of grace and favor where he's wooing, he's inviting, he's drawing people, lost souls to himself. One of my favorite passages of scripture, Luke chapter 15 that talks about a lost coin, the lost son, prodigal son. He says this about One lost sheep. Suppose one of you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them. Doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country because he's prioritizing and he's going after. His life is about joining the father and finding that lost sheep. He goes after the lost sheep until he finds it. If we all know the agenda, the purposes, the heart of the Father for lost souls, then why is evangelism so ineffective in our day and in our culture? I want to suggest, friends, that the churches that are growing most right now are the ones that really are, unfortunately, are simply swapping sheep they're not going after the lost sheep. I long to be a church that is going after and seeing lost people find the love, the grace, the communion with their loving Father. At the heart of the seven-year vision is that we would press into our neighbors that we would really do the second greatest commandment. The first is love the God, love the Father with everything you've got, heart, mind, soul, strength. The second is what? Love your neighbor. What would it look like to actually love our physical neighbors? Did you know we did a survey of a three-mile radius of our church, and we learned some things about our physical neighbors one we learned that Colorado Springs has the same percentage of church attendance as the national average I think many of us think Colorado Springs is kind of this Christianized community but actually in terms of church attendance and and those who would say they are Christian we're right along the national average secondly we learned this that our immediate community our neighbors are very affluent. They're working. They're first and foremost educated, intelligent, and thoughtful, as well as affluent. What are the ministries and the programs that are effectively reaching the people that are our literal neighbors? Friends, I've had this stirring in my heart and you've heard me mention it before, this ministry that we're calling Missing Jesus. We did a pilot, uh, a version of Alpha, um, last year, but now we're talking about in 2018, doing this Missing Jesus, this ministry that is designed specifically for our literal neighbors, who are far from God, affluent, thoughtful, educated, and yet far from God, and that we bring them into a discussion and relationship and community that really looks at the most important person in history to ever live. Can you imagine us doing this? We had about 30 to 35 people in our kind of pilot project, Can you, and we we're in the upper room. Can you imagine that as so many people start experiencing Christ, that they begin to tell their friends and we begin to pack out the upper room and so no longer, we can't stay there. So on Wednesday nights, we have to come and meet here in the sanctuary and we have so many people that are longing to really look at this Jesus, this most important person in the history of the world, his life and what it means to us. Can you imagine us doing Missing Jesus in small groups like lunchrooms at work or living rooms in neighborhood that we were really not going after sheep swapping, but we were going after that one lost sheep in the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. This evangelism, I believe, is going to be a powerful picture and part of our seven year community. Fourth stream the grace, the serving grace, and the gift of prophetic ministry. I was talking to one of our congregational members, and we were talking about the five streams. He was raised Catholic. And he said, so Eric, prophetic ministry, you're going to explain this, right? You're going to unpack this for us. And I would say, especially the prophetic stream and the apostolic stream, those are the least understood, and the, the streams that our churches are really not unpacking and living well into. In the early church, we get a picture of the prophetic stream. And let me try and unpack it from this picture of the early church. It says in Acts 13, Now in the church at Antioch, there there were prophets and teachers. Now remember, this is the New Testament. This is not the Old Testament. So yes, there are prophets. There is a prophetic ministry that is meant for the New Covenant Church, the New Testament Church. It says, In Antioch, there were prophets and teachers while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting. The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Now here's a picture of this prophetic ministry because they're they're together worshiping, they're praying, they're fasting, and what they are doing is they are discerning the voice of the Spirit in their midst. They're they're listening, they're allowing the gifts of the Spirit to take place. There's space and there's room for this. Really, I'm locating the the ministry of prayer, of seeking the heart of the Father, of seeking the voice of the Spirit, seeking the Son's will in our midst. One picture from this prophetic stream of ministry... I, I've seen it work in a beautiful way in a vehicle that is much like a house church where there's enough room and space for people to simply pray and worship and fast and allow the gifts of the Spirit to function in a way. It's, it's called, some churches call it pastorates, where there are larger gathering. Imagine 25 or 30 people in a large living room, and they're praying, and they're seeking, and they're teaching, and the gifts of the Spirit are coming. I've seen in a beautiful way prophetic words given, ministry taking place in a profound way, seeing healing and restoration. What would it look like if our community of faith, whether on this campus or in living rooms, became places where the spirit was welcomed. His gifts was welcomed. His gifts were given space and breathing room and our ministry flowed into them. One picture is the pastorate, the the house church. Here's a second picture. And I don't know if this is just in my heart or if this is from the Lord. I believe it's from the Lord, but we get to test it. Most of you entered through that tower out in front in the entranceway. It's this tower right now. It has a a metal structure. What would it look like if we transformed that tower from merely an entrance to a prayer tower? a tower of prayer? What if we enclosed just the the middle section and we had windows because that tower overlooks a portion of the city of Colorado Springs? What if we enclosed that and started to have uh, prayer ministries like 24-7 prayer where we had a, a weekend perhaps where for um, uh, 24 hours... For three days, we were just praying for the city. We were listening. We were pressing in in prayer. What a beautiful prophetic ministry that could take place in this community of faith. I long for that. I long for us to be a movement that is rooted and led by the voice of the Spirit. And finally, the fifth stream, the grace of apostolic ministry. Again, this in the early church. Um, There's a story of the Grecian widows that they were not being taken care of. And the early church, uh, the Greeks, uh, they were complaining to the apostles. And the apostles did some strategic leadership And it says this, Acts 6, 3, and 4. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we'll give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the world. One really cool thing from this story is that they said, yeah, we're not called to do everything in the church We have a particular calling in this community of faith. So would you look for others who have this gifting and have this calling filled with the Holy Spirit and with wisdom and release them into ministry. The second cool thing is they knew their gifting. They said, release that and we will live our gifting. um, Apostolic gifting, you can think about the entrepreneurs among us, the folks that are starting new works. I think some ministries of social justice could flow within this stream of seeing a need, recognizing it and pursuing it, even creating ministries that are addressing these needs. Second, I could see church planting, those efforts. But imagine not just any church plants, but that church plants that had this kingdom DNA of no be do, of presence and power, of five-fold ministry, that we were planting churches in places that really needed it across the United States, even around the world. Can you imagine missionaries, our connection with missionaries, where we're sharing this kingdom DNA? In fact, one of the missionaries that we support now is in Lebanon, Pastor Gabi. And one of the reasons that we connect so much is because Pastor Gabi has this kingdom DNA that God has been working in our midst. He's also been working in Pastor Gabi. Can you imagine us learning from him as well as him perhaps learning from us and seeing this profound kingdom work multiplied, not just in our community, in our nation, but internationally around the world. Now some of you might say, wow, it's too big, Eric. You've got in this vision all this happening. You've got apprentice huddles. You've got life groups and contemplative practices. You've got stations of the cross and a in a prayer tower. You've got missing Jesus and pastorates, church planting and social justice and missionaries. And my first answer is, you actually have no idea how big this vision is. It's much bigger than you think. You see, these are just things that are in my heart that they hopefully are from God, but they may not. But I'm wondering what's in your heart. What is God saying to you? How, what's the, the passion and the calling that he's placed on you that would be in one of these five streams? To give you an example, Calvin and Karen Langford, they have part of their calling is they care deeply about marriages. And they have begun this ministry of mentoring marriages. Can't you see this, this beautiful longing and calling fit so beautifully in the stream of shepherding? They are longing as a couple as well as to train other couples to shepherd younger couples into what does a healthy and biblical marriage look like? Do you see how the, the vision can expand and grow based on the calling that's in your heart, the desire that's in your heart? What is he stirring? And my second response is seven years. That's why we're doing seven years because I have so much and this isn't easy work, but this is sacred work. And I believe with all of my heart, he's calling us to pursue this calling. To pursue kingdom life, no be do kingdom, to live in the, king, the Father's kingdom. To pursue a community of the spirit that reflects his presence and power and to live into the ministries of the sun these five streams of ministry would you pull out of your bulletin that that connected sheet that has these three words and i want you to take a look at these three words engage contribute and lead and i've asked you to prayerfully consider what is god saying to you in the midst of engaging, meaningful contribution to the seven-year vision, and leading in the seven-year vision. Engage is, I I wanna invite especially to many of you who come on Sunday morning, but you have not engaged to any uh, deeper involvement in terms of especially life groups or service. And I would encourage you, if God is inviting you, take a step to greater engagement and how we're identifying that is, would you say, you know what, I'm gonna make Sunday morning worship a priority. I'm gonna seek to really attend at least two times a month. I can commit to engage and do that more. And then secondly, to take another step that I wanna be engaged at a deeper level in a smaller community and that's the life groups that we're launching. We're launching some, as you've heard Josh share, on Sunday morning and some during the week. Would you consider maybe perhaps for the first time joining a group just for nine weeks, engaging it that way? Contribute, what would it look like for you if you've marked those boxes of engagement to up your meaningful contribution to this church, this community of faith, and this seven-year vision. Could you um, determine by checking that first box in the next two months would you find a place to serve? Would you plug in somewhere? Perhaps it's children's ministry, perhaps it's greeting, perhaps it's serving coffee, perhaps it's worship arts and the choir, but wherever that would be, would you help us connect you to a meaningful place of service? Even if it's only once or twice a month that you would be serving in some way, shape, or form. And then also financially, would you consider giving at a higher level to support this seven-year vision? All of these pictures, they're, they're gonna at least take some money, some resources. Would you consider giving a little bit more, a higher percentage of your income to this kingdom work right here at Springs Community Church? And then finally lead. Now, we're not fully ready. If I got 50 of you that signed up to lead, we're not fully ready, but we are defining leadership in a particular way. We are defining leadership as you're either being discipled or you're discipling others. We have a dream that someday all of those who are leading will have been discipled in the kingdom of God and therefore are discipling others. If you're interested in that, you can mark that leadership box. Would you pray with me? So Father, I pray especially for those listening to this message on the internet Lord perhaps they don't have these boxes in front of them but Holy Spirit you know who they are and would you lead them to think about their level of engagement in this community of faith Lord I thank you so much that you have said go here live into this Lord, I'm delighted that as for me and my family, this is where we're going. This is is what we're gonna be pursuing and living into. Holy Spirit, would you spur the hearts, the minds, the souls of others to join in this profound kingdom work? We pray all this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen.